When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Uplifting Impact. So happy to have you here with another wonderful episode. So today we are going to be talking to Asif Sadiq. He has a long and rich career in the E&I space with senior executive roles at Adidas, The Telegraph, and EY Financial Services. He's been listed as one of the most influential global D&I leaders by Hive Learning, the CIPD's top 20 power list and was honored with an MBE in 2017 by the queen. You're going to have to tell us what that means. As the SVP of ENI International at Warner Media, Asif works on globally driving the agenda around diversity. We are so happy to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay. Can you start by telling us what that means to be honored with an MBE by in 2017 by the Queen? Sure, sure. So, so it, it basically is an honor from the Queen um, where you become uh, a member of the British Empire. So, so there's a long history behind it, uh, similar to when someone gets knighted. So it's the beginning stage of working your way up to getting knighted, where, whereby you then get called, uh, you know, uh, w- whatever sort of celebrity who has served before their name, uh, Elton John, I think Elton John there is a sir. Yes. Yeah, uh, but also, so for example, footballers, David Beckham, okay. soccer players, sorry. Um, soccer players like David Beckham have an MBE and so on. So it's generally given someone who's made a difference uh, within a particular area that's had a huge impact beyond their organization. So it's so a real sort of, uh, uh, yeah, national impact. That is fantastic. We were already excited to have you on there, but now, sir, um, we're even more excited. So congratulations on being recognized for the the impact that you've had in the world. So one of our favorite questions to to start off with is to just ask, what brings you joy? Wow. There's a lot of things. You know, there's things, I guess, at work that bring me joy, things in my personal life. But one, one common thread, I think, is being able to make a difference. And I, I don't want to sound like, you know, it's the typical sort of speech, but but really and truly, I think, you know, uh, we spend such a short time in our life really caring for others. We spend so much time focusing on ourselves and, and everything's about you build this, you do this, get a house, get successful and so on. But if you can do all that and along the way, make a difference in other people's lives, whether that be people at work, whether it be people around you, family, colleagues, next door neighbors, that brings me a lot of happiness because, you know, long after you're gone, someone somewhere will sit down and remember that you made them laugh or you made them feel good about themselves. And, and just the joy of knowing that that will hopefully happen when I'm not around is it, it, it just brings me a huge amount of uh, joy knowing that. 
So I won't get the quote exactly right, but it reminds me of a quote, like people will forget what you say. They'll forget what you do, but they'll never forget how you make them feel. And I, I often, I often think about that, right. That we all have the power to be able to make people feel a certain kind of way. I, when I talk to young people, I always say it's like our superpower. Like, you know, we, we, we get an opportunity to bring somebody a smile just by the decisions that we make in the way that we treat them. So how, how cool is that? Awesome. Very good. Well, one of the things that I was just curious about, because you've been in all of these amazing organizations, I was going to bring my Adidas and put them up on the table just (laughs) Um, (laughs) or show you my movie collection or do something. You've been in all of these really big companies. I'm just curious when you think about your DEI approach and the way that you come into this work, has it changed based on the different companies that you've been in? Or do you feel like, and you've had to like adjust your methods, or do you feel like kind of the things that you've used in all of these different sectors and different spaces work no matter what? There's a lot of similarities in in a lot of the organizations. I mean, interestingly, I've I've also worked in the private uh, public sector. So I worked in the police service, setting up DNI for them as well once upon a time but that's probably very early on in my career about 20 odd years ago I I think what's really interesting what I've learned over over time is when you look at this space there's different different levels of the same challenge within organizations so you know there's no organization that's great from the, the the public sector that's not you could argue especially in the UK you know doesn't have huge funding huge budgets for DNI and they have challenges, but they do some things really well. And then you can go to some of these big brands and companies who have a lot of investment in the DNI space, and they do some things good and some things bad. But but I think the biggest biggest thing I think that really supports you know, driving change within these organisations, or is the common thread, is how you pitch DNI. How do you get that message across? And I think that's been probably one of the big things uh, for me. So tell me a little bit more about that, right? Because that's really interesting that if that's like the, the common thread, how you pitch it, what, what's part of your pitch? How do you, how do you approach this? For me, there's, there's a few principles which I strongly believe in. Number one, all of us are uh, activists, right? Each and every one of us, we, we have elements of activism. I make sure that never shows up at work. And everyone's like, why? And I'm like, well, because I've got a job to do. It's a job. And if I'm going to pitch DNI in a way that people take it seriously, it has to be pitched in a way that it's weaved into what we do as a business. Um, if you ask me, you know, Monday to Friday, what area of diversity is important to me? I'll tell you all of them, whether that's gender, race and ethnicity, disability, sexual orientation, and so on. Ask me on a Saturday, and I can tell you what's really important to me as an individual. But within the workplace, I strongly believe in when we pitch things, we pitch it without the emotional connection. Because what happens is, as we know, when we get emotional about things, it blurs our, our vision or what we want to achieve. So, and especially in the DNI space, if I'm being very honest with you, things have changed in the last 18, 19 months. Prior to that, not many people were listening, you know, not many people cared. So that meant, and I can tell you numerous times in my career, when you know I've pitched things, it's been knocked back. I've suggested something, I've been told not now, come back. We haven't got time. It's not important. It's not relevant. And what you, you realize through, throughout that period is that you can't let that knock you back. So you have to, if you see it as a business piece, you start pitching it in a way or in a language that they understand, not taking away the essence that it's the right thing to do 100%. Yeah. And you know we need to get it done. But 
it, it's about just not letting it get you because it's very easy to then give up when you're so passionately or so personally attached to what you're trying to pitch. Um, and that's been one of the big drivers for me in the sense that I, I, I tend to try to do it in a way that I speak the language they're speaking, but I remove my, my, my emotions from what I'm pitching. And that helps me because then even when I get a pushback or even when I get an element of, you know, well, that's not going to work, I can articulate why it would work or I can think clearly because I'm not emotionally connected to it. So my response isn't, how dare you say that's not going to work or how can you say racism doesn't exist? As long as I'm not thinking in that way uh, or you know, the emotional connection is not there, yeah. I can say, well, actually, this is why there is racism or this is why that is that. So that's what's worked for me. And I'm not saying it necessarily works for everyone, but it has helped me um, stay sane for a long time. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting because I'm, I'm working on a, on a book right now, super excited about it called Action Speak Louder. And one of the main okay. points of the book is helping people understand that there's social justice, there's diversity, equity, and inclusion. And of course, there's overlap between the two of, of them. But social justice is when we are looking to hold our politicians, our public facing people, we're, we're called to hold them accountable. That's where we do our social justice work. Mm -hmm. It's very different than what we're doing in our DEI space. Again, even though there's overlap and I value it and I understand the distinction, but the, the important thing to kind of take in the example that we like to use is I can go and do a march on a weekend and evening or whatever. I cannot march against the person who's in the cubicle next to me, right? Like th that exactly. technique is not going to have the same no, impact no. in both of those spaces. And so understanding the difference doesn't dilute the power. It just means like in different contexts, it's a form of equity, right? In different contexts, different things are going to be proportionally more impactful. And so I, I understand and, and, that, and that's so and important. It is 100%. And actually what you've just said there is such a great example because it's also about seeing you know, and, and as you rightly mentioned, there is the crossover. So how do you utilize, so if you, are, if you are a big believer and a champion for social justice, what can you get your organization to do which fits within their remit, exactly. right? But you cannot ask them to do something that's like, you know, lobbying the government to change because right. private sector companies are not going to do that. They're going to remain very neutral when it comes to, to governments or, you know, charities they, they, they operate in. But what you can do is get them to change the platforms they have, get them to, to value social justice through the means and channels that they have uh, at their disposal. And that's the piece that we need to focus on. So it's a win because you're making the small difference in the world through the, your privilege, really, that you're within an organization or within a company that you know produces, whether it be shoes or whether it be movies, use your power and influence within that to drive positive change through the platforms they have. And that's where then you can translate that. But, you know, just, just the way you explained, you can't, you can't ask them to then be doing things which, which, which you, would, you, you can still believe in and you can still be very passionate about. But unless you translate it into the language they speak, it's not going to, it's not going to drive change. Yeah. And I think it's another thing too, you didn't say this, but I'm going to pull it out of, of your, your comment, because I think it's important to understand that a lot of times we put people in these roles, right? Because they are passionate, because they, they see the challenges, because they want to be part of the solutions. And there is so much potential, right? When, when you walk into an organization, you see that thriving and you want to make sure that you can nurture it. And that is one of the things that I love the most about the work that we do. But I think it's also really important to understand 
that there's a difference between somebody who's like, I'm in this department, I'm really passionate about it, and I really want to be part of the solution, and I'm a DEI practitioner. And I, I, I want to call that kind of distinction out because there are things about this work that are very, very, very different, right? Yeah. Like I wouldn't put um, somebody who like loves Excel documents, completely in <laughs> financing, you know, doing whatever. I wouldn't take that person and say, let me put you into the art department with no training, no background, no whatever, and design the next, right? Design the next movie screen or, or. Gina, you've covered something which I talk about so often, so often nowadays, you know, in the, in the last 18 months, uh, I think LinkedIn said that DNI roles have gone up by something like 13, 1400%. Yes. What's ended up happening in many organizations, they've taken the one person who was passionate and said, hey, you're really passionate. You can lead our DNI efforts. It doesn't help. It does not help. And I'm not, I don't want to say no one's trying because people are trying, right? Oh, yeah, for but sure. To your point, I mean, I, would I take someone who likes numbers and make them an accountant without any training? I wouldn't. Or if someone's really interested in a particular area without any sort of knowledge and experience, it's very hard. Or resources. Or exactly. right, like access exactly. to other, um, you know, other people. And so I, I just wanted to pull that point out. I know you, you did. No, it's a very valid point. Right. That there is a, a lot of nuance that's built into this role and, and into these responsibilities. Honestly, it's part of the reason why we decided to start the podcast is because we felt and we could see and we work with a lot of people who, again, that passion is there, that desire is there, the skill set is there, the ability is definitely there. Exactly. But this is a new space for them. And so they're desperately kind of looking for. Who are other people who have been in this space for a longer time exactly. and maybe have some resources or tools that we can go to? Like when Unless I, yeah. yeah, exactly. When I dream about who's listening to the podcast, right. Or I get messages exactly. from people. I always imagine that person, like I'm new in this role. I, I, or I've been in this role for a really long time, but it looks different, right. People are listening in a different kind of way. How can I really garner up um, and, and, and just improve my practice? So Thank you. I, I, I appreciate that point. <laughs> so another question I'm curious about is when you think about all of the different experiences that you just had, you just talked about, right, having this wealth of, of knowledge that you've been able to accumulate throughout the years. What would you say is like one of the lessons that these people were talking about that are newly minted into their role that if you if you could just have, you know, five seconds with them and you're like, let me tell you this lesson, what would it be? Well, uh, it, it's so hard to narrow it down to one, but I okay. think the biggest one, probably probably the biggest one that, that comes to mind is around how do we ensure that we change the culture within an organization and impact everyone, not focus on fixing particular groups. And why I say that, maybe to put context on it, is it's very easy for us to say, hey, we don't have people of color in senior positions, let's fix them so they can make it senior positions. But actually, it's not them who needs fixing. It's the environment, the systems, uh, the culture that needs to be adapted. So the majority within an organization need to be part of the change. But for too long, many organizations are focused on particular groups. I mean, I mean, I can go back years and remember when, you know, we used to put women in a, in a room and say, you're amazing. We need you. You're the future of our organization. Senior leaders used to do this. But they'd only tell the women. They wouldn't leave that room and go and tell everyone else. So the one big lesson I've learned is if we truly, or any company or any organization truly believes in equity, inclusion, diversity, tell everyone, make sure everyone's on board and you know, change systems and culture, 
not 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 just fix people because you can you can give people all the mentoring all the support all the training but if the environment and the people around them are not ready to accept change they will not stay they will leave so you have to adapt and and build the environment and and within that you know this whole piece around um getting everyone on board i think it's so important even more now than ever before because there is a perception within organizations that hey you know if i'm if if i'm you know from from the majority and i, I say majority just just because i'm I, i'm i'm trying to be uh, very fair uh, and not calling people out but you know if we if we take the majority within an organization and i think many people can can probably you know uh, understand what group would fall under the majority wherever they are um there is a perception amongst many that because of equity and inclusion they've got no future they're going to lose out they haven't got any chance that is completely false a win in diversity creates better processes and systems creates equity for everyone but we need them on board to understand and to drive that change not because the change is needed for others it's needed for themselves as well you know the group thinking can't work people are individuals and we want to create environments where people can bring their authentic identity whoever they are so i think that's the big big lesson you know for me is that don't focus on you know trying to fix the you know the the, the small things or trying to put programs or fixing underrepresented groups fix the systems the the culture you know the 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 organization as a whole and automatically you'll then achieve success you know if you get the equity and inclusion right you get diversity yeah and and people want to go the other way right the the inclination is to start with diversity because it's easier to put some numbers on a board or exactly. you know, in your in your in your report or or to to be able to well, what do those numbers mean website, though but it's harder what? for to do those other things and and that's that's exactly the point i mean we i, I guess we think so like on this but even the numbers what does it mean so if i said to you 40% of our workforce for argument's sake is is female do they have a sense of belonging do they feel included can they be their authentic self do they have psychological safety because if they don't have any of that stuff we're defeating the purpose because we know diversity equals innovation creativity better productivity all the great things we want but if people don't have the elements that i've just mentioned then it's just a number and the number means nothing absolutely nothing right it, it, and in some cases it can actually be a negative thing because exactly. what you do is you're constantly reinforcing a culture that says you don't belong and it creates this revolving door we talk about 100%. people coming in and you might have the number 40% but is it the same 40% is in january as it is in june as it is in in december probably not if you don't have a culture exactly. of inclusion right exactly. so what what does that benefit us where do we get all the benefits from if we have diversity but we don't actually have that kind of sense of belonging where people feel safe where people feel like they can trust where people feel like they exactly. can share their ideas yeah i know some of the most painful conversations that i get are from people who say you know what i was recruited to this organization they said all the right things through the process they kind of, you know they 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 really like wooed me and i i thought mm-hmm. i was walking into a different situation and as soon as i got there I realized everything that I had to say or the idea that there was no space for that that they had never created in an environment I mean they just put me up as as a token. Right? Exactly. That devalues the person but it also devalues the organization and the organization's reputation. Those are hard moments for people who end up in that cycle. So you're right. Okay. All right, so I know we're getting close on our on our on our time. I got to ask you this one last question. Because you said everyone on board 
And we all can think of that one person that's so hard to get on board. So in the like 30 seconds we have left, what do you do with that one person? Do you just leave them alone? Do you still go after them? Is there a technique? What, what do you do? That's yeah, it's, it's a really good question. So my view, and this is just my personal view, is how much effort and time are you spending on that one person? If you change the environment and the culture to be one of diversity, valuing diversity, inclusion, belonging, that one person who doesn't want to change will exit themselves from, from the organization. The environment will not cater to their needs, therefore they will leave. I'd rather that than waste my energy on that one person who's never going to change because the truth and the reality is there is, there is those few individuals. You can give them all the statistics, all the evidence, every single thing that you can think of, and they still don't believe it or they still think it's not, not true. My, my thing is change the culture around them. When the culture doesn't accept them, they'll be gone. The same way diverse talent leaves cultures that are not inclusive. If culture is all about inclusion, others will leave, the ones who don't want to believe in diversity. Yeah, thank you. That was a wonderful use of the last couple of seconds that we have. I appreciate it. (laughs) So if people want to follow you, learn more from you, what is the best way for them to stay connected to the the work that you're doing? So I think probably one of the best platforms uh, for me is probably LinkedIn. Um, I'm, I'm probably more active on LinkedIn than anything else. And um, yeah, that's probably the best place. People can reach out. Um, takes me a bit of time responding to everyone, but uh, more than happy for anyone to reach out and, you know, always happy to have a conversation. And, and to your point as well, you know, some of, the, some of the newer people who are on this journey within DNI, we're championing DNI, you know, always happy to share because one of the other big things I believe in is, you know, this space is not competitive. Yeah. We're not in a competition. The more we can share, the more we can learn from each other. I tend to share a lot on LinkedIn, but I'm always happy to share, you know, what's worked for me, what hasn't worked, what I did wrong, because I think it's important that we create that, um, you know, learning amongst ourselves uh, and wider so we can all prosper and create the world that we want to live in. Amazing. So we'll make sure that the link to your LinkedIn profile is part of the show notes. I just want to say thank you so much for making some time to be here with us. I know you're being requested in all kinds of different directions. So we consider it a real honor that you took some time to be here. No problem. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So everyone who's listening, we're so glad that you tuned in to another week's episode of the Uplifting Impact podcast. We need more people to help us uplift the impact. And in order to do so, we want to make sure that we can share this kind of information, share this wonderful knowledge that we all gained here today. So go ahead, share the episode, comment on it on our website, give us some feedback, ask us some questions so we can make sure that we are addressing the areas of concern that are most important to you. And you can also follow us on LinkedIn. You can follow me at Deanna Singh, or you can follow my wonderful co-host, Justin Ponder on LinkedIn. We love to also post information. So until next week, keep on uplifting the impact. Thanks so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.